0: takes a while to get there but my god what a song Mm, heart as we kick off episode 156 of the brian oak show podcast 156 episodes in the last year and a half sean i'm not a math major is that possible is that feasible have we bent the laws of space and time and physics it's probable it's
1: not possible
0: okay very good i am brian oak and that is sean bernard sean how have you been i'm okay yeah yeah. Oh, that was entirely unconvincing. I just promise
1: not to BS you on anything, so I'm okay. I'm doing don't okay. okay. I I am okay.
0: I understand. <laughs> oh, okay. Weird. Weird. It's
1: the other people that are the problem. Yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. All these people around me. You couldn't be the common core, right? No. Absolutely never. not. That's not <laughs> how this game works. Yeah, here we are doing another episode of the podcast, so I want you to know that I am not moonlighting on you, right? The Brian Oak Podcast is still very much alive and is going to continue. We still fully intend, at least as of today, to continue to do two episodes every week to bring you interviews with amazing Minnesota residents or people from the upper Midwest, people who represent and define and inform the community that we live in because we love it here. We're here in the Smart Start MN studio just a couple blocks north of the beautiful uh, Creek Just a little bit south of us there, Chicago Avenue South in gorgeous South Minneapolis. By the way, even though it's starting to cloud up, today has been a perfect day. My allergies for the first time in three weeks are not threatening to constrict My throat and kill me and the temperature has been good the dew point is low this is a gorgeous spring day in the Twin Cities. It feels
1: like spring now it was so dry earlier that it felt like fall part two right and it was really weird but now it feels good.
0: It was dry but also it felt like there was a 10 grit sandpaper in the air at all times (laughs) at least in my eyes and in the back of my throat today I finally feel like a relatively normal human being but I wanted to mention I'm not moonlighting on you the Brian Oak Show podcast does continue but I did
1: take a new job. You did. I heard this. Yeah. Yeah, um, I heard about this. I'm, well,
0: a new old job, right? And so it's weird because half of my adult life doing radio was spent at one particular radio station here in the Twin Cities. And I genuinely adored my time there. But then an opportunity came up and the situation changed and I decided to leave. And I pursued another opportunity, which is very common in the world of radio. Sometimes you make that choice. Sometimes the choice is made for you. I was lucky enough to be able to make that choice. But for 15 years, from 2001 until the end of 2015, I worked at a radio station called Cities 97. These days known as Cities 97.1, uniquely Twin Cities. (laughs)
1: I wish we could hear the
0: real voice of that. I'm so glad that you asked that because today's guest, what's weird about this is this is going to seem strangely self-serving. I first reached out to today's guest to be a guest on this show before I knew anything about going back to Cities 97. So as of this morning, I did my second morning show there. I'm back on morning six to 10 working with my producer, Brianne Burdett, who is fantastic. In fact, we're going to find out more about her in the not too distant future, um, it's wonderful, but it was terrifying. I I don't know why. I did radio for more than 25 years. Why would I be nervous to go back and do it again? I don't know, but I'm going to be honest, I was scared shitless. I really I was freaking out, man, and I didn't sleep at all over the weekend. I didn't sleep the last two nights. So I'm delirious, and I really hope to not do a disservice to today's guest who oh. is the person <laughs> responsible for hiring me at cities back in the day. Literally I started in May of two thousand one and I hate to make anybody feel old. That's officially twenty years ago. Whoa. Think about is it, Lauren. It? Twenty years ago. Jeez. Is that possible?
2: Are who are you saying is feeling old right now? Not me. No, I... I, Look
0: at at me. I feel young and fresh. Uh, I'm like a spring petal opening up for bloom. Hey, fragile flower.
2: (laughs) Yes,
3: you
0: are. Oh, Lauren McLeish, uh, legendary, storied programmer for Cities 97 through its greatest successes is our guest today. And to be honest, I have wanted to have her on forever. A, she's got a killer voice. B, she is the single greatest boss I ever had. And I don't mean that... I don't use that term lightly at all. I mean, Sean, you and I have worked for a lot of different people, right? Yeah, a couple of the same. And agreed. And we've also worked our entire adult lives. And well, frankly, for me, going back to the early teenage years, I've always had a job. And I've worked for a wide array of bosses. And good bosses are are the difference between wanting to show up, wanting to do your work, feeling pride in your work, being excited to do your work, and dreading your very damn existence.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they really are, man.
0: You, you have a bad boss, and you're like... Ah, oh, shit. Okay, just put your head down and get through it. But a great boss is the best thing that could possibly happen to you as an employee. But the best boss you ever had, well, those only come along, well, literally by definition, only once. We're going to talk more to Lauren McLeish just ahead. But first, I wanted to hear a song. One of my favorite memories in my 15-plus years now at Cities 97 was meeting Matt Nathanson. You know, as in my role uh, as afternoon guy. I was tasked with doing almost all of the artist interviews that would come through Studio C. And this is when the sampler was the king, right? I mean, oh, yeah. and, and the Studio C performances were one of the defining characteristics of one of the most unique radio stations in the Twin Cities. And so I took great pride in that. That was my favorite part of my job. You know, I never tried to kiss anybody's ass. I never tried to be best buds with rock stars. That's not my role. And it's also just not my jam, not my vibe. My job was to be educated and well-prepared, ask good questions, let the artists shine, and then let the performances speak for themselves. But every once in a while, despite your best intentions, You make a friend. You hit it off with somebody. And I don't know what it was specifically, but this guy came into Studio C a bunch. And he and I started a budding bromance that, frankly, although I haven't seen him in a number of years, continues to this day. We still will text and email occasionally. And he's just one of my all time favorites. And, um, you know, you don't get to pick who you fall in love with, Sean (laughs) Matt Nathanson on The Brian Oak Show.
3: Too proud. Ticket Lottery oh, 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 Brave new world, same old crowd Good things wish for well-
0: He's just one of my all-time favorites. He is as nice a guy as possible, San Francisco-based singer-songwriter Matt Nathanson. And Lauren, you said you had something regarding well, he, Matt. You
2: know, he is a true one-to-one guy, and and um, it's been years. I mean, uh, there's a, a picture of he and I at the Basilica block party yep. backstage. Yep. And when, you know, I was in the throes of of Basilica, everything, and new artists in Studio C, and, you know, he's like, hey! You know, big bear hug, you know, but, but I, I'm like you. I'm like, I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, you know, um, uh, a germ, Right. you know, and, and yeah. Like, I don't know what a germ you know, is. A germ is like, you know, <laughs> groupie? somebody who's in the business, oh. but you're like, Hey man, hey. I know oh, I, hey, I, here's I, my how, pal, how pal,
0: pal, finger, yeah. pa- finger, oh, finger yeah. guns. Hold then yeah. I got him on the text. A germ. Yeah, how man. have I never heard germ? Yeah. I, oh. I like that.
2: And so, uh, um, but he, I'm um, well, you know, uh that guy on the fan, what's his name? Um, uh, Barrero? No, no, no. He does the mornings, one of oh, the morning your guys. husband? Anyway. Chris Hockey?
0: <laughs> yeah, and so Chris Hockey's been a guest on this show as well, and I mean, I, I was going to dive into your intro in a little bit here, but I mean, your real name is Kim Hockey, and one of my favorite stories of all time, which is just going to very briefly derail your story.
2: That's okay. it's no, right. oh, right. I worked
0: at Cities 97 for over a year before I found out your real name was not Lauren McLeish. Uh, one day, I was doing afternoons and i heard on the overhead i think it was daria i heard a kim hockey line 112 or whatever the hell the number was and i'm like now i don't know everybody we, that did well did we hire
2: a new salesperson but, but I've, been, been I've been here you? for
0: over a year and there is no kim hockey that works here <laughs> so i went and asked uh, our good friend brian thomas i'm like who the hell's kim hockey and he's like your boss lauren mcleish i was like what and, and I had say, this, I had this Twilight Zone moment of like no way I've been here for more than a year, and then I found out that same day that his name is not Brian Thomas, I, it's Daryl Renstrom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, then then I really felt like I was I was through the looking glass at that point. I realized that nothing was ever going to be the same. Anyway, your husband who is on the Power Trip Morning Show on KFan, a local sports station,
2: he interviewed uh, Matt maybe two years, two years ago. He just he finds artists and the, and they talk about things other than music. You know, because right. Krista music too but um he asked uh something about uh cities and somehow lauren came up and and he remembered me which was bizarre you know which was but he was so kind and was like talked about the radio station and when he was getting started and you know oak and this and then and it was like that just that did my heart so good to think that we as an entity a radio station made such an impression on an artist, you know, that, that he didn't have to remember us. No. You know? But anyway, so that's my tiny little story. But the, the interview was, he just went on and on and remembered so much.
0: Well, and that's where we're going to get started when we get started in a minute. I have to mention Smart Start, MN first. But the thing that Cities did, uh, the reason he remembers it is because it was artist-centric. Mm -hmm. Artists were first and foremost. There were no personalities there that were bigger than the station itself. We were all part of the same team. We all believed in the same thing. We had an incredible crew who worked there at the time. And so there were a lot of artists who maybe only had a half dozen stations nationwide that really cared as deeply about them. Yes, they would go to many other stations and talk to cornballs who would ask them, <laughs> you know, hey, corn dog or Prado pup or whatever. I mean, and sometimes those things are fun. What, if car, under, what care, kind of
4: underwear do you wear?
0: Exactly. Boxers or briefs. <laughs> hey, what do you like on your burger? Um, and I mean... And so they would come in with their guard up, and our job as a station that was artist-centric was to make sure that they felt comfortable, that they could let their guard down. I mean, that was always a point of pride for me, like getting ready for a Studio C. As soon as an artist or a band realized that you weren't a goofball or a puker, that you actually cared about the music, they'd let their guard down, which meant better interview, Mm -hmm. which meant better service for the listeners and the fans. Once they
2: knew you weren't going to regurgitate What was on the piece of paper... About them. Right. And let them just be themselves.
0: And and ask them questions that they would probably want to answer as opposed to goofball stuff. It gave a better interview, they gave a better performance because they chilled out, and it created a memorable experience for our listeners, which is mm-hmm. our first job, right? I mean, right. we're there to serve the listeners, yeah. but also to develop those relationships. And it was it was a really pretty incredible time. We're gonna talk more with Lauren McCleish here in just a moment, but first I do have to make a mention of Smart Start MN. We are in the Smart Start MN studio. Smart Start is Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. That means if you get a DUI, bad move. Ugh, life is going to get complex. It's going to get expensive, but you're going to have to get back into your car. You're going to have to drive again, and there are ways to do it. There are state-approved ways to do it sooner and for less money than you might think, and Smart Start MN is your main venue to getting back to some semblance of a normal life.
1: It's already pretty affordable, but if you want to save even more, go to smartstartmn.com. They'll give you 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock.
0: I wish they would let us say the price because it's already. I know. It's I silly, know. It's silly, inexpensive, and like when it's I like went, a few Uber rides. When, when I went and looked at it, I was like, "There's no way." Because that's way, and I'm like, how can they possibly make any money? But you know, they both live in levitating palaces, so I mean, they must be making some real that's money not over true. there. That part's no, true.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Lauren McLeish. So, um, what do I want to tell you about Lauren McLeish? I know a few things about Lauren, uh, we worked together for a very long time. I know that Lauren grew up in Kentucky, she's mm-hmm. a Louisville. Louisville, is that how you pronounce Louisville. It? Louisville? Mm-hmm. See, I knew I wasn't going to get it exactly right. Uh, Louisville gal, and she began working on air back in 1984. But by the time you were 25, you were already a program director. And here's one of my favorite things about you: in addition to your charming personality and the fact that you actually gave me I, I, the real start of my career. Um, radio has always been a boys' club, right? Just like rock and roll, just like many, many things in the world. As much as radio itself is a boys club, women are often relegated to co-host ditzy punching bag. hey, what kind of things Bobo. are you? What are you yeah. shopping for? you know like you <laughs> know or ask them stupid sex questions or things like that. It's very very it's, so women are on the air on the radio and but it, you know I mean a, a woman who gets to host her own show, that's a rarity. A woman in programming, in my experience, at least, Virtually non-existent. You are like a unicorn, right? And so, but you started at 25. What what was the driving force Wait. there? What made you think you could get away with that, Lauren McLeish?
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I think um, I started on the air, yeah. as we all did. And um, from Bowling Green to Hopkinsville, Kentucky, to Louisville, and then to Birmingham, and then Nashville. So, mm. All in my early twenty early twenties. Is Nashville um,
0: is Nashville where you began programming?
2: Nashville is where I began programming. It was a rock station in so, Nashville. Actually,
0: yeah. I, I jumped ahead a little too far because I've always wanted to know what was the first impetus. Like we all like listening to the radio. We mm-hmm. all like music, but that's different than saying I'm going to do radio. Did you have someone tell you you had a killer voice? Did you just like the idea of being on the? You have a killer voice, McLeish. No, uh, well, anyway, uh,
2: so growing up in <laughs> Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, a southern accent, How's and that, I still do. Well, uh, is, it sneaks in thin. when I'm when I'm yeah. on the phone with my mom. Yeah, my oh, mom. Yeah, yeah. It'll and it comes out, but that's all part of me. You know, it's a it's a part of me, and um, but when I decided that I was going to go, you know, rip and read news basically mm. at this little AM station off campus or try to. um, it was a challenge because another girl in the class, because this is when I was at Western Kentucky University, mm. another girl in the class had gotten a part-time job. there. And I'm like... And I had decided that I kind of wanted to do radio because I uh, I hate math, first and foremost. Amen. But <laughs> I, it, there's an, a little irony there later. but uh-huh. um, And I don't... Uh, I have never been a... Uh, Oh, I want to look like this and I want to look mm. like that, you know. And when I was a kid, I was so comfortable sitting in my closet with a crayon as a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And I would listen to the radio and, or I would play my 45s and I would pretend like I was on the air. And then when I got to college, then I would, uh, I was listening to KDF in Nashville, which was a rock station, cool killer rock station. Mm -hmm. And I was always a rock chick. I was always a guy's chick. Right. You know, I had brothers, I had uncles Mm -hmm. and, and that was, I think made me competitive, you know, but in a... I don't know what I want to do with this competitive part of me yet. And so eventually when I did, you know, uh, go in there and rip and read off of the AP machine and get a part time job on the air. And then from there, I decided I want to do FM radio. I'm going to do FM radio and I want to work overnights. (laughs) It's like, <laughs> here's the overnights.
0: deal people might think that overnights are you know like thankless and who the hell would want to do that there's a cool vibe wow. being at a radio station by yourself at night when there's no one else around there
2: and it's all vinyl i mean oh. back then that's all it was was and, vinyl
0: i mean playing music and pulling records i uh, mean venus flytrap right yeah and yeah. the collars how it's about pink the collars lloyd, you know something <laughs> off
2: umma oh. yes or- oh it's just man. Let's play that 13 minute version of that song. Oh, yeah. I then, never, I never then mind then working fades. overnights or,
0: or weekends because there was no one else there, and you're like, this is my my tree fort, yeah. man. This is I get to do. It's sitting in your closet with a pretend cigarette and playing records. <laughs> and you
2: create a universe. Yeah, <laughs> you, you do. know you create, you absolutely do. And and it it but there was no technology back then, mm-hmm. so you weren't submerged into this group of. You know, you weren't just looking at a screen. You had to use your imagination. You had to use whatever it was that you saw or heard or whatever, and you created this. And so that was a comfort zone for me. And uh, so then, you know, fast forward. And then once I got to, let's see, um, let's see, back to Louisville where I grew up. After college and then Hoptown, which I loved. Hoptown was fun. very small town radio and yeah. that was fun. And I was on the air. I wanted to be on the air, but I wanted to get into rock radio so bad because that was my vibe, not a top 40, you know, uh, CHR top 40, whatever it was called. And um
0: and we're talking about early 80s radio so yeah. before the ascendancy of hair metal I mean before we're, CDs either. Yeah I mean we're but we're talking like you know like uh what Eddie Money and oh, 707 the and Oh, the yeah yeah, oh, and yeah. yeah. And all
2: right Journey even yeah. you know 79 80 oh, yeah. um yeah and it was and so I really so when I got back to, I I put out resumes you know here and there and uh, one I sent <sighs> to somebody and again i'm doing a top 40 kind of vibe mix mm. in hopkinsville you know but it had everything from arcadia to the police to gosh what else was it you know uh janet jackson you know we played a little bit wow. of everything all over the mm. map yeah and uh but i sent out resumes and one i got back and i was very excited about and and they said yeah, you're never going to make it in rock radio. What? You don't have the voice mm. for rock radio. What? And and I'm like, don't tell me no. <laughs> yeah. What did you just say? Good. You yeah. told what? me I couldn't yes. do something? <laughs> I'm going to fucking cry over that. Yeah. <laughs> so it made me even more determined, but yeah. I knew there was a way. To, I had to get in. Yeah. Anyway, I ended up in Louisville working for an AC station. Kind of an AC oldies. Um, and then um, finally, I'm like, there's a station in Nashville that this group owned that was a rock station. And I'm like, man, I want I want that. And yeah. so I just worked really hard and I started learning how to be a music director. And mm-hmm. even though I wasn't getting paid for it, I was at yeah. the station from 2 in the afternoon until 3 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And um, that's
0: early days in radio, right? Like, know. I mean, like anybody who wants to get off the ground, you yeah. put in ridiculous hours yeah. and you absorb everything from everybody around yeah. you. That's how it works.
2: And eventually the MD, you know, got snagged for doing something illegal, probably. who knows? No, know. Oops. Oops. not in Kicked radio. And <laughs> Wait, in 80s radio? The, the no PD, way. The PD came in and, and I'm the seven to midnight girl, right? Yeah. Came in and handed me the Rolodex. Here, just call these people and they'll tell you what they want.
5: <laughs> it was
2: wow. all the record. That's how I got to be an MD. Wow. And then I started the weekend schedule for all the jocks and, you know, and I was pals with all of them. I wanted us to be a team. Yeah. And I think that's what got me going with. I love creating radio uh, mm-hmm. for that market. And what can we do? And ha- who can we bring on board that fits that vibe and that does that? And I think that's what really drove me to want to program and that Mm. became my absolute love i mean i enjoy being on the air i enjoy doing voice stuff and but um but i wanted to be i wanted to call the shots and i wanted to to find a way to create something cool and to make things better and to be uh always community driven you know So that's kind of how I ended up in Nashville because they were selling off the stations. This is just before the telecom bill when everybody was going to buy everybody up. And uh, when I moved there, they told me, look, the station is going to be sold and people are going to start leaving. And do you still want this job? And I'm like, hell yes. It's my first programming job. Mm -hmm. And I went there and I worked with some guys who became huge uh, um, morning guys. You know, later they weren't mm. there for very long. They didn't replace anybody once they left. So yeah. it got down to in Nashville. And we were, we were doing well. Up against mm. my favorite rock station of all time, 103 KDF. You know, I love that station. But we were the Fox and we made some inroads. And even though, you know, there, there were literally two salespeople... No GM, no sales manager, and a promotion director. So there's like five of us doing this.
0: Sounds kind of like Radio Today.
5: I know.
2: <laughs> Full it, circle. It really,
0: really so does. All
2: that happened it's like, oh, I got this. All right, we got got more people. We're fine.
0: We're fine. That's more than enough. Lauren, I want to talk about your transition from Nashville to the Twin Cities Mm -hmm. and your legacy of what you've done here. But I hate to go too long in the podcast without hearing some music. And everybody who comes by, you have to pick. Three songs, and yeah, that's the cool. way it works on this show. And I don't care what they are. It's not a contest. I know you said you were you were hemming and hawing, it's, but it, it has nothing to do with cool factor. It's everything to do because every single person, I don't care who you are, you love music. Everybody, and you know you may love it for different reasons. You may come at it from different angles. I don't judge as long as you're happy with the selections you made. That's all I care about, and I want to know why you picked this particular song.
2: So, Snow Patrol first, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I chose songs that truly move me. Yep. And move me in a, uh, change my mood in a good way every time I ever hear them, mm. ever hear them. Um, but this particular band has always stuck with me from cities, because Gary is an amazing singer, an amazing songwriter, and him in Studio C, he's freaking hilarious. You would never <laughs> think that, but... And he can't remember a damn thing.
3: (laughs) Do you remember that?
0: I do. I also, my my most powerful memory of Gary Lightbody in Studio C was when he came in solo without the band and he was trying to, when you talk about he can't remember anything, he can't remember the lyrics. So he's got his laptop up in front of him. And because he can't remember the lyrics, he's trying to keep them up there. And then the screensaver comes on at some point while he's trying to perform. And he's literally trying to not blow our live performance that we're doing, <laughs> reaching out with his foot, trying to t- get the touchpad <laughs> with his heel. And he's sliding down in the chair and still yes. trying to keep the song going. He is literally. We had to stop. I, mean,
2: I think to, he was yelling for it. Engineer! I need an engineer! <laughs> <laughs> this bloody thing. I can't. I know. And so that, 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 you know. He let his guard down. It was an amazing performance, and and he feels his music. And this particular song um, kind of embodies the: uh, you are someone at this point in your life when Mm. you're young, you're going out, you're having fun, and you can lose yourself. You can really lose yourself, and it's a reminder that this isn't everything you are. You are important. You are meaningful. And don't give up. That's what it's about.
4: You can't find the phone So you can call it off But it might be for the best You can't walk away Anyway Because you've nowhere else to go is you worth the less? Is it a simple yes? Cause if you have to think, it's fucked Feels like you loved him more Than he loved you And you wish you'd never met Don't kill There's strangers everywhere Took the call. How could you know that he'd slipped away last night? And you wish you'd went home days ago to say goodbye or just alone?
0: snow patrol it is the brian oak show podcast episode 156 we're joined by lauren mcleish aka kim hockey i don't who knows what other aliases she might have
2: uh let's see shannon (laughs) shannon was that
0: at a different radio station yeah
2: Yeah? uh that's because um uh, let's see uh that was an oh i know it's because the pd at the time wanted to name me naomi uh why i have no idea (laughs) Um, Creepy Yeah I know
3: <laughs> And so uh,
2: So therefore um, Doing 7 to Midnight um, I And the reason why I'll just Just dive into this real quick um, He didn't want me to use my real name And, and I'm like okay Because you know radio back in the yeah, yeah That was something sexy Right you know, Something <laughs> like
3: uh, Naomi
2: like, And then it was Shut Naomi him. And I'm like I can't be Naomi <laughs> no. I mean it's a beautiful name right But yeah. not for me No. Um, So anyway, Shannon was actually on the air at KDF in Nashville. I really, um, I admired her so much. You know, I thought she was an amazing jock. Uh, And so it just kind of came out and then he goes, Shannon, it is. And I'm like, great. (laughs) Okay. And then when I went to Birmingham, Alabama, before Nashville, Mm -hmm. I I they there was already a Shannon there, and I'm like I'm screwed. What oh, am I going to no. do now? <laughs> and this is the hardest thing ever. Like, yeah. what am I going to do? Right. And I was doing middays, and so I um like hmm. All right. So at the time, I was doing a lot of physical. Uh, I was riding bikes and I was swimming. Mm. I mean, I was all alone. I was like twenty, and that, and I, I don't mean lonely. Yeah. I was just I was alone, yeah. and I was like on my own and I was very excited. I had a one bedroom apartment, you know, yeah. all these kind of things that you wish for when you're, you know, in radio to be able to do. Yeah. Uh be independent. And so I was um I was kind of working out a lot before working out was a thing. And uh so I picked up a runner's magazine called The Vulcan Run in Birmingham and I'm like diving after names. And I, I'm like, I gotta have a name. Okay. Uh well I didn't know anybody named Lauren. And I thought, Lauren, 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 <laughs> Lauren, Lauren, you, know, you know, I go through all the different things. I'm like, oh, I guess, okay, Lauren might work, Lauren, okay. And then um, I didn't need a last name. I'm like, okay, I don't have to do this anymore. Right. Then I went to Nashville. Going to Nashville, you're going to be a program director. You got to have a last name. Yeah, you do. So uh, and Lauren
0: Hockey wasn't going to cut it.
2: Well, I didn't know I wasn't dating Chris at that time. I oh, was 24 right. Four years old or 23, 24, Going oh my God, on twenty five. You 25. do have another
0: name. I don't even know your maiden name. Yeah,
2: bowling. I- so the bowling hockey. Marriage, which was featured on Jay Leto. Are we talking no. about bowling? <laughs> yeah.
0: Like bowling Green? That
2: is green? my original. Yeah, like bowling. Yeah. Wait, so
0: are you from, are you like, are you like Southern royalty? You, uh, are you no. from that same line of bowling?
2: Bo- bo- no, 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 no. Hmm.
3: Uh, all tra-
2: traced back to, through the Catholic Church. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All, all right. the way back to England. That's where, yeah.
0: So you get to Nashville. You have to be a programmer. You need a, a made up last name. Where's that it, last name yeah.
2: come from? Yeah. So, um, it had actually come from, um, Gosh, it was so hard. Um, have you ever heard of Rachel McLeish?
1: That uh, name is really
4: famous. She was
2: the first female Miss Universe.
4: Oh,
2: uh, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, oh. right?
4: Like muscle,
0: mm- oh yeah,
2: yeah. bodybuilding, Body right, right. And I kind of was thinking, I might want to, you know, I was working out. Yeah, yeah getting buff. So I thought, McLeish, who in the hell kn- Who knows anybody named McLeish? <laughs> right. Problem was, she spells it with E-I or I-E, and it's like, I'll never I'll never fucking remember that. <laughs> right. So we're going to make it easy. It's right. going to be L-E-A. Right. E-A is easy. E always yes. comes before yeah. A. So anyway. So that's where Lauren McLe- was McLeish, and then I had a consultant say, ah, you look more Scottish than you do Irish, so how about it's M-A-C? Oh, yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> Lauren McLeish. Oh, that's good old where radio
0: consultant. From. Some of my least favorite people on <laughs> the planet, because they walk in knowing nothing about the subtleties or vagaries and decide, here's what works in other markets. Here's what you need to know. Here's what you should do. But here we are. You're Lauren McLeish. You program in Nashville. How do you find your way to Minnesota?
2: So uh, as I said the, uh, in Nashville, we got down to you know, it's just us and the janitor basically uh-huh. at the station, and um, I got an opportunity uh, called from Virginia Beach, Norfolk, Virginia Beach, for a classic rock station there, and uh, and I'm like, great, um, let's go. So I moved to Virginia Beach, got a roommate, uh, made a decent amount of money. It lasted six months because they wanted to blow up the radio station. Ugh. Let's let's do this stunt. We're going to blow up the radio station, and then we're just going to do the same thing we were doing before.
1: Fantastic news. That is wacky like, goodness. Yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm not doing that. I'm just done. I've been here. I've moved. Yeah. I've had 10 addresses in five years. So I'm mm, like, no, nope. That's a lot. And so, at you know, things happen. I get a call from the station that's going to launch across the street um, called The Coast. It was the first AAA radio station, oh, and it wow. wasn't even before AAA was considered a format. Right, but I got to know these bands like Soul Asylum and, mm. um, um, gosh, uh, the Sundays.
1: Oh yeah, I love the Sundays. N-
2: Nirvana, uh-huh. you know Pearl Jam. It was like when. Um, alternative was just taken off, right? you know, so, but we were a triple A AAA version of that. So, and for people who don't know what triple A is, a.
0: adult album alternative. So yeah. it, it is alternative is in the name, but it's, uh, the less edgy mm-hmm. edge, little less screaming trees, little more yeah. lighter side of grunge.
2: Singer songwriter. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then, um, I got a call two years in after I had uh, met my husband there. Uh, and then, um, well with future husband right um we had a, a child on the way imagine calling my dad at the age of 29 years old to say hey dad I'm <laughs> pregnant not
3: married
2: <laughs> 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 sorry about that <laughs> oh. but i kind of like the guy
0: yeah yeah, yeah. catholic anyway. families love
2: that yeah so we in 94 i got the opportunity to interview here uh and again southern girl Mm. Where's Minnesota? (laughs) What state is that? Oh, it's north. Holy moly. That's a long way away. But I felt in love with this place. Yeah. And it felt like home. It felt like this is where I'm supposed to be. Mm. So uh, we got married, uh, took the job, had a baby in September. And the rest is his history. We've been here 27 years. Yeah, you
0: have. And you and Chris are still together. Man. Again, Chris, people can hear every single morning on the Power Trip Morning Show on KFAN. Um, he's one of the kindest people on the planet. Mm-hmm. And he is also ridiculously hardworking, uh, incredibly funny. I just like, I like everything about him. And I'm not saying that because you're sitting in front of me. I've been a huge fan of his. And so it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me with everything I know about you and how I feel about you, that the two of you have found a way to make it work. You have grown children now.
2: Mm-hmm, how yeah. old is your Abby? Uh, uh, you have original Abby. Well, I have an <laughs> Abby. I don't, have, I don't know if it's
0: original Abby, but I, I have he one. Was the,
2: uh, your Abby was the only other Abby I knew. And I'm right. like, I really like that name. Oh, no. It's a great name. <gasps> I love it.
0: That's okay. How old is your Abby? Uh,
2: she will be 19 in July. That is not possible. Yeah, graduating uh, oh. senior in high school and oh. going to Winona. Uh, this fall. Where in Winona? Uh, uh, uh Winona State, State University? yeah. That's where my daughter is.
3: Yes. Oh my, god
0: I mean, I went there. I, I You did? KQAL was the first time <gasps> I ever cracked a mic. Do you know who's there now? Yeah, Westerman. Yeah. Yeah, I Pops. know. Pops. Yeah. No, Pops. Pops. <clears throat> Pops is the program director down there, yeah. and, um... No, I, Prentice Hall. I, I went for all of one year before oh my God. I was I like. I
2: realize that.
0: Yep. I went to Winona State University for one year, KQAL. I still have a KQAL sweatshirt, which, <laughs> by the way, does not fit me anymore, shockingly. Apparently, what? my body is a slightly different shape hmm. some 35 years <laughs> later. So you've been here for a very long time, and you had a tremendous amount of success for a very long time. I mean, you ran the ship at Cities 97 for 20 years.
2: Yeah, almost 20 and um it was it was amazing. It was a dream. Yeah. And um I, I, all the things created the team that was there and that I was able to assemble and and be able to, you know, from gosh, so much. We did so much. We did so many artists yeah. and we watched them blossom, mm-hmm. you know, from these young singer-songwriters to Adele. To Yeah. <laughs> like, we had Adele in wow. the studio
0: uh, twice. We had, And you got her on the sample. See, it's, it's weird for me because a lot of people don't get to know what happens behind the scenes. You know, radio, maybe it's quaint and old-fashioned to some people, but there are so many moving parts and so many machinations. It's not just a matter of picking the songs that you're going to put into heavy rotation and what gold you're going to use and what's going to play on the air and coming up with a few little silly bits and skits here and there. There are shows, there are performances, there are promotions, there are coordinating with sales, there's everything else. And then, you know, you brought up your commitment to community orientation. One of the things I remain the most proud of, and I certainly hope you do, in fact, I'm certain that you do, is what you were able to do with the sampler, right? Nobody, nobody lives in a vacuum. Nobody does any one thing by themselves. But to watch what the sampler was, to what it ascended to, to raising literally more than a half million dollars every year, diehards standing out in five degree below zero weather for eight hours in an area target store to get in line to buy the physical product because it was limited. It was not available online. Mm -hmm. And that was the point. Even when people started to be like, well, why don't we just put it online? You understood the importance of this being an event, of this being something that draws... The community together, and the number of charities that benefited from it, and the—I mean—you created a thing that didn't exist well, before. I
2: didn't create it.
0: Okay, you didn't create it, I but you made—you made it a thing. I saw that it wasn't. I saw
2: an amazing opportunity that uh, of. Um, I saw an amazing opportunity to take something that so many people loved, um, but uh, that not a lot of, not enough people knew about it right. yet. You know, and when sampler six was being assembled, even when I got there and I'm like, so what is this? And, and, and Mm -hmm. well, so much goes to charity and how much does it cost to put it together? It was, it was mind boggling because they were, here's a charity CD, all the money, the proceeds are going to charity, but it's only raising how much? And then started looking at, wow, how can we make this easier for people to find out about you know, and how can we grow the actual amount of money, not just talk as in public service? Right. How can we actually give money back to the community mm-hmm. as a radio station while still making money? Right. Because mm-hmm. I mean, we have we're we are a um, we're a business mm-hmm. and I and I respected that. So the deal I made in my head was if we can bring sponsors in who will benefit from this and believe in this. The sponsorship money stays with the with the sponsorship. They also get ads. They get this and that. Mm-hmm. But the money that is generated from the sales goes to charity. How can we better than $10,000 a year? Right. And so that's where I saw that opportunity. And, and then when Target was interested, you know, and that was a big controversy. It was very hard. But I remember going store, record store, record store. And you didn't know where the sampler was in the store. Right. Mm-hmm. It was under, sometimes it was yeah. just was like, oh, oh, what is that? Not all the employees knew about it. Right. Target came in and said, we will make this part of our advertising. We will put it in its own place in the record department. Mm-hmm. And that started that avalanche, yep. I guess. And we were only able to make so many. So the next year... We sell out, we make twenty five thousand for charity. We make fifty thousand for charity. I go to the labels, can we let's license this for more? I'm telling you, this will be worth you know, you'll get this benefit that the artists are, that are on it, you know, it. so it just rolled into up through the twenty fifth anniversary that was my, my last one, um, from making ten thousand dollars for charity to ultimately eleven point. Two million dollars. That's amazing. Which is, I mean, it's,
0: it's really incredible because a station can, you know, put the window dressing on of being involved, of doing the right thing, of uh, being community oriented or having music that you can't get anywhere else. But to turn it into a force of nature, having, being someone who worked in a nonprofit for six years before I ever did my first day professionally in radio every single penny freaking matters and so that kind of money that kind of tonnage when it comes yep. to actual funding it's a huge impact in the community plus it was a huge impact for listeners i mean these were collections of studio c performances live performances exclusive performances that you could not get anywhere else mm-hmm. so literally everybody won and it it, be, it yeah. became a phenomenon i mean like i remember standing out in front of those damn targets very <laughs> Brian, I'm very sorry. very early
2: Brian. And You're I, re- gonna, I know it's 35 below, yeah. but.
0: And, and listen, I, one I, for
2: the team, bud. Yeah, one well, and
0: here's the deal, though. I learned that early on about Radio 2. It's still better than digging a ditch or working <laughs> in a cube farm. And it was never dull. It was never the same day twice, but it really it was a phenomenon. And that's just one of the things, you know, Lauren McLeish is also responsible for coming up with something else that literally was career defining for me. And I want to talk about that next. But again, it's time for us to hear one more song. Um, and this next one. Well, I mean, so again, cities did so many interesting and unique things in addition to the sampler and things like Oak on the Water and uh, different events. We would have these on-site Studio C performances, these weird, rare little nuggets that were not something any other station was really doing anything like. And I had the privilege of seeing this band in the same room that I celebrated my 40th birthday in. Mm -hmm. Lo, these many moons ago. (laughs) The, the tiny little room called The Hollow yep. right next to The Local, which, oh, my God, our live St. Patrick's mm-hmm. Day broadcasts. Oh. Yeah. oh, Lauren, the memories are flooding back right now, Lauren. They are <laughs> flooding back. There was so much over so many years there, yeah. but then there were these great little impossible moments where people would get to win and they'd get to come, and it wasn't about being cool or exclusive. It was about creating something that hadn't been there, but it was magic.
2: Yeah, it was, and the the, the reason for this song, um, again, because the song just moves me. I mean, when mm-hmm. you listen to it, you're just like, man, I'm like energized. <laughs> I, and it, but, um, the, the, should I tell the story of who I also found out was a big fan that I got to meet, um, of this band before or after the song?
0: You tell me, what do you feel I, like I'll save be- it for after. Are you sure?
2: Yeah. I'll save it for after. But I will just say that in my early, um, um, love of music. You know, I talked about how I loved album rock and I, and, and, and as the eighties evolved, it was never huge. Like, I mean, I have so much respect, I mean, obviously for Madonna and mm-hmm. all the, the huge stars, but there were a lot of great alt bands that weren't on the radio. Mm-hmm. And I was just immersed into that. Like, who are the replacements, you know? And again, I'm in the South, right? Yeah. Right. And, um, but the replacements and, um, oh my gosh, even Talking Heads a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, to um, a band named Northern Pikes. I don't think anybody yeah. ever heard of. Uh,
1: Life in Northern Town, was that them? Dream Academy. Oh, Dream, Dream Academy. Academy. Yep. What but did Northern Pikes do? What was like their big hit?
2: I. They didn't. I mean, it was just a cassette <laughs> that I bought and I loved it, you know? Yeah, I
1: remember and, a song by them. I just can't remember what it was.
2: And so anyway, so this this band, uh, I just love, and this album I love, and This song just makes me feel good. I just love how it just swells, and uh, there's a little story behind it afterwards.
0: That happens to be the title track of that record by the Waterboys, Fisherman's Blues, but that entire album start to finish, there's not one weak moment Mm-mm. on it, and it hit me at such a profound moment in my life. Um, I mean, I think we're talking didn't that come out in like 90, 91? I mean, yeah. maybe even late 80s. That's uh that's
2: I, I want to say 88 or okay. 89. I don't know why that comes to mind. Somewhere
0: around there, but it is such a profoundly good record. All The way through, even if you're like, Yeah, I don't really need so much fiddle and mandolin, I promise you, you need more fiddle and mandolin. So, <laughs> what were you going to tell me about the so water boys? My,
2: my little story about that because not a lot, I mean, the masses aren't familiar with the water boys, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and um, I had many wonderful opportunities, um, to meet a lot of artists as you did, and in one particular, uh, probably one of the momentous, uh, is that a word, momentous? Yes, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Um, I got to see you two in a club mm. of mm, that would hold maybe two hundred, three hundred people.
4: Wow! Oh my gosh!
2: And they performed the entire "All That You Can't Leave Behind" album.
3: You're wow!
2: And, uh, see, I love that. I love that record
0: too because that record came out not long after I started working for you at Cities 97. And it kind of, some of the songs on there became anthems in the post 911 era. Yeah. And you saw the whole thing up close and personal? Right there. Wow.
2: Right there. And then afterward, we went to this very secret little club in a back room. More secret than a place that's
0: only 200 people (laughs) watching YouTube. Even
2: smaller. You, you. This is in Chicago. Uh, it was a group of of programmers, yeah. um, in mm. you know, from all across the country, um, and um, I. There may have been some winners. I don't. I don't think so because I don't think anybody knew they were even in the country mm. at the time. And but they they literally performed the entire album for us.
3: Wild.
2: And then we went to this little club in Chicago, and I, you didn't see the door. It was a fence. You didn't know that was the door to mm-hmm. the club. And you went in, and we went in this back room, and we um, were uh, had some cocktails. Uh, yeah. I'll never forget a cucumber, cucumber or vodka thing. <laughs> sure. And out came the band, and it was Bono, and uh, the Edge, and Adam, and Larry, and they just milled around and had conversations. And I had a personal conversation with the Edge. I got cold chills right now. Yeah, no, I get it. And I I was like, hi, because everybody was swarming Bono. Hi, the Edge.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Hi, Edge.
2: I just said, hi, Edge. Yeah. (laughs) I'm Lauren. And I wasn't, you know, I'm like, don't be silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be cool. Be cool. Be (laughs) cool. (laughs) Be cool. But I was curious. I said, have you ever heard of the Waterboys? You know, because... The, and he just went on about how much he loved that band yeah. wow and so that was my one of my moments where i was just
0: oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i
2: can't believe this is happening thank you god thank you lord yeah
0: <laughs> more with laura mcleish in just a moment first we need to turn our attention to one sean bernard sean is my co-business owner by you know part owner of the brian oak show podcast what percentage
1: do we settle on? I think you got 60, I got 40.
0: 90-10?
1: But somehow I got to do the taxes, so I want to renegotiate.
0: Yeah, we'll see about that. That's, that's what your 40% is worth. Maybe <laughs> you're in charge of taxes. Oh. In
1: addition to being co-owner
0: of the LLC, he is also my friend, produces the show, and he happens to be a realtor for Edina Realty. And what you were telling me earlier, spring is normally the busiest season of the year, but it's not
1: quite as busy this year. No, listings are down right now. That's been all over the press right now. But uh, if you're looking to sell, it's actually a very good time to sell. If you're looking to buy, well, you know, the interest rates are really low, which is nice. Uh, a lot of folks around our age, uh, so, you know, are starting to downsize. They're becoming empty nesters and that sort of thing. So if you're looking at doing that, it's still a pretty good time to sell and, to, you know, maybe downsize into a, a smaller place. One of the things I'm doing this year is I'm giving a portion of every sale back to a local artist or musician, whether it's the buy side or the sell side. And you, the customer, get to choose that. And so the last uh, sale that I just had with my friend Ken's mom's place, they donated uh, part of that sale to Julius Collins, who's part of Collins, well, he owns Collins Live, and then he's uh, the, one of the lead vocalists for Dr. Mambo's Combo. Mm-hmm. And so if you know somebody that's looking to buy or sell 612-859-2594, that number is also textable.
0: It was the summer of 2003. In fact, it was actually early spring 2003. Uh, I had already been working for more than a year and a half for Lauren McLeish at Cities 97. And I was excited. I got to admit, I was scared when I first started there because I was coming off these three little transmitters. I'd been doing mornings there for seven years and suddenly I was the afternoon guy on a 100,000 watt (laughs) upper (laughs) Midwestern flamethrower. And it was exciting and I was settled in there and Lauren had this great energy and she also was really, really protective of her staff, of the property, of the philosophy. I can only imagine the absolute, absolute, avalanche of corporate bullshit that she has shielded (laughs) us from for even at that point for a while, but over the course of our our entire time working together for more than a decade. But I will never, ever forget the day that Lauren sat me down in her office. She's like, hey, I've got this idea. We're going to have you go out once a week and we're going to have you do a broadcast lakeside. Now, get this. And she was giddy. She had this look of anticipation on her face and she said, here's what we're going to call it. Oak. On the water. And in, inside my head... Now, of course, I tried to keep a stiff upper lip on the outside, but inside my head, I was rolling my eyes hard, and I groaned, and I thought to myself, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Well, A, because who the hell's going to want to come out and watch me just talk into a microphone by the lake? And second of all, really, are we going with the corny play on words, but here's what I will tell you, lo these many years later, once again, Lauren McLeish was right, And I was wrong. You were, (laughs) you were right every time. I ever thought, I don't know, are we sure about this? Every single time, Oak on the Water would go to be, would go on to become. And I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm talking about so many people came together to make that thing happen. It would go on to become the premier lakeside summer event Mm. in the Twin Cities and surrounding area for many, many
4: years. Crazy. It It was was nuts. Yeah,
2: I don't think we uh, we expected it to be quite. The avalanche of people that would show up at like one, two, you know, in the afternoon way before Oak was even there (laughs) just to get a seat. But we took advantage of that, too, and said, Mm. let's give away a seat. (laughs) Let's do a contest and we'll give away their own table. You know, there was always some.
0: Well, in in, in the first few years, nobody really cared. People would still come, but it wasn't that kind of a thing because we didn't have music every single week. But then it sort of turned into a thing where we had more and more national artists. Weekly music became a thing. And it did turn into a thing where if you did not show up well before the broadcast started, you weren't getting a table to enjoy your afternoon. Whether we were on Lake Minnetonka or Pryor Lake or wherever it was we happened to be that afternoon, it was it was really really wild. And it was a, once again another master stroke from the brain of Lauren um, McLeish. I,
2: I was on a mission to get us out of the studio. Yeah, you know because I felt and uh, in the su- in the summertime, I mean it's Minnesota, right? And guess what? People don't always work on Fridays. No, yeah. In Minnesota, right? So it's like, we need to be there on Thursdays Mm -hmm. because everybody's going up north. Not everybody, but a lot of people head up north. So let's just start the weekend Thursday afternoon. And I I really thought, you know, the whole lakeside, it really played into the lifestyle, but we could stay within the city parameters. Mm -hmm. And again, I, as a program director, as part of management, I'm like, let's find a way that our sales staff can... You know, make some money as Uh well. We can sell sponsorships into it, but still keep it about the listener. There had to be a listener benefit to what we were doing. But everybody was, oh, oak. I didn't know Oak looked like that. I didn't know, you know. And so here's an opportunity for Oak to get out and get you out of the studio uh, so people could meet you and get to know you. Because the more that people get to know the personalities, Uh the more endearing they become and again it's all about the relationship of the listener and the air staff and and that keeps that loyalty and keeps people happy from
0: was- the time that became a well-known event let's go ahead and say 2005 or 2006 anytime anybody would hear my last name they would be like oak like oak on the water And it became (laughs) sort of my defining aspect. In fact, people still say that to me this day if they hear my last name. It's still a thing in their heads, you know. And so it went on for a long time. It was very good. we got to fast forward a little bit here. In 2013, you know radio changes right everything changes there's emerging media there was the uh economic downturn in 2008 so there is all this other place for money to go to and there are changing market demands none of these are good enough excuses in my opinion for the day they fired Lauren McLeish uh, my current boss who literally just went back to work mm-hmm. for so I'm not trying to bad mouth them it happens in every line of work mm-hmm. uh, but it it always hurts when you believe and when you care and when things are going well and it just feels so unceremonious and you were gone at cities and this was, this was your baby. This was your life and your philosophy and your blood. You had built it into what it had become. You know, obviously I'm sure it was awful. Was it really awful?
3: Mm. Mm. It was,
2: it was hard. Yeah. Yeah. It, It, it took a while because again, You go into something and you think, well, things are going well and Mm -hmm. it's going to last forever. This is where I'm going to be and Mm -hmm. I'm going to continue to, you know, play both sides to be able to Mm -hmm. uh, help the company and at the same time really make something special for the community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, things have turned in a different direction. Technology and mm, the um, FaceTime people make and create their own playlist. They Mm -hmm. do this and that. And we we knew that that was a a thing. CDs were going to the wayside. What are we going to do with the sampler? And it was like all of those things were in the back of my head of how we were going to be able to jump those hurdles. Mm -hmm. But um, there was downsizing going uh, across the country and it continues for program directors that a lot of that has come in-house, into hubs, into other places. And unfortunately, that was The situation that that I was in, Hmm. Um, and so it hurt, but it was it was either I my have a philosophy that comes from Shawshank Redemption, um, get busy living or get busy dying, Mm -hmm. and so I had to go through that mourning period. um, But that competitive little girl in me, (laughs) Mm -hmm. smoking crayons in the (laughs) closet, (laughs) um, said. Um. Okay, what are you? Let's let's hmm. build. Who are you? And so I created, not created, but I kind of like said, "Oh, I'm marketing. I'm a brand manager. Uh-huh. I'm, you know, I can do voiceover. I mean, all these things started flooding. That was kind of filling me up. That I can I can do. And um, so I realized that I was going to survive. Um, but I also realized that I'll never be able to do that again things have changed but it's okay yeah because my god
3: yeah Um, it actually has
2: the greatest memory it's the greatest memories ever and so i uh i have no regrets anymore i am I, I, I do voice work for iHeart, and, yeah. you know, I know Greg, if, and it's If you it's tune in
0: and listen to Cities 97.1, every time you hear that woman say, Cities 97.1, uniquely Twin Cities, <laughs> that's this woman right here. That is the one and only Lauren McLeish. Um, you know what? Sadly, we're out of time. Yeah. We have to all wrap right, this good. up. We didn't even get to talk about Basilica. There, there are so oh. many things. There are so many things oh, I want to talk about. Yeah. So do me a favor. Do yeah. you yeah. promise you will come back again?
2: If you'll have me, and if you're absolutely, yeah, I would. would Anytime
0: we have so much we haven't talked about, and it's not just about going down memory lane. I think these are important stories, these are part of the stories of this community. I mean, Basilica's coming back, and you know, yeah it's not the same thing that it once was, but nothing, I guess, ever is anymore. But, I mean, we'd also, you helped build that to a dizzying height as well. And um, and there
2: were some very, very strange times oh, there. we've got some good stories to tell.
0: We do. So maybe we'll come back and we'll yeah. have like a Basilica Memories podcast or something. But we do have to wrap it up now. But yes. before I let you go, I want to thank Smart Start MN. Sean, I want to thank you.
1: Thank you. This has been so much fun, Lauren. I, thanks for all of your hard work over the years and creating oh, I, such an incredible brand with that made memories for a whole market. Thank you.
2: Well, thank you, thank you. <laughs> well, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm so much fun. I'm all warm and fuzzy. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, yeah. It, it was you know it was an amazing time, but I think that I think Sean what he says is right. I mean. I can tell, even just in my two days back at Cities, the amount of excitement that people are like, it reminds them of a time Mm -hmm. when it was a different animal, right? They know that Cities is not the same thing that it used to be, but it used to be pretty fucking spectacular. (laughs) It really did, for a long time in there. Um, Thanks again to all of our Patreon supporters. Thanks to AudioQuip. Now that people are getting back out. If you need audio equipment for your new acoustic duo, your ted talk whatever the case may be <laughs> you can contact our friends at audioquip go to audioquip.com is it audioquip mn i'm not sure look them up online They're they on got the facebook the, they got the red yeah. logo with the circle well, there's more than one audioquip is the is. problem it's the one with orange yeah well red Red A red logo with a white circle. So maybe in I'm a little colorblind. Okay, very good. Anyway, <laughs> thanks to everybody who supports. Thanks to all of our listeners, and thanks to Lauren. Now, before we let you go, something that you did, again, we have to have you back. There's so much that we didn't get to talk about, but something you did after Cities was you were the OM, the operations manager for the CBS-owned Buzzin, which is the big country competitor to the, the giant c- country monolith in town, K102. But when you worked at Buzzin. Well, A, a chance to kind of stick it back to your old bosses a little bit. <laughs> but, but I mean, but country, country radio is a very odd duck, and I'm not going to steal your thunder. I want you to explain the point that you made, but it's been interesting. I mean, country, a lot of people who maybe are into alternative music or into AAA, I think people underestimate the massive scope of... Of country, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, country radio is still the number one format and the number one selling type of music in the United States it, of America. It's really
2: like a prism, yeah. Now, and, and it is, it is, but it is one, and it's all in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And so, I won't. I, I would like to save a lot of this to, if you have me back. Yeah, for, because sure. You're for sure, have you back. Find a lot of parallels between the past of cities, mm-hmm. you know, and the the artist driven uh, mm-hmm. element of that. Uh, and just to really understand, because when people hear country, they're like, "Oh, country," you know, or they're like, "Oh, country," but they have a different picture in their head of what mm-hmm. it is. And and it took a, a while to, to for me to go, "Whoa, that's it! It is rock, pop, country, uh, or rock, pop, singer songwriter, a little alternative. It's got every element to it, um, and." Going back to what I said about cities and the thrill of finding brand new artists Mm -hmm. and watching them, it takes on a whole new level in country music. And there are some amazing singer-songwriters who do their original music. They may have help, there's collaboration, but there's some real talent and there's some made talent. <laughs> well I mean yeah. Nashville you know, it, it really
0: is. modern day Nashville is a machine. Yeah. It's a machine as big as ever came out of Los Angeles or out of Motown. I mean, the Nashville has changed. It always was a music city, mm-hmm. but it's it's an actual manufacturing hub now. Yeah. And there are Killer singer songwriters and really incredible producers that are doing work there right now. As a
2: matter of fact, there is so much music. There is no way to put it all on one radio station, mm-hmm. and that's where in this last song that I'll you know leave you guys with. This is one of those bands that um, again there is that country feel. There is you know the instrumentation, you know some things, but I could see Head Cities evolved moving mm-hmm. as it did. Acoustic Sunrise uh, studio C, mm-hmm. all of that. to hear some of the stories and to hear some of the music that is coming out of there that may not be making it on the radio, I could have totally seen that being a city's artist or mm. a city's band, or you know, as, as it was just in my head. But these guys are not only fun, they're the real deal. They pl- m- incredible musicians and won- wonderful singers. And there, if you ever pick up a country album and you just want to enjoy it and have fun, and but not but really hear some very good writing, um, uh, Brothers Osborne is like one of my favorites uh, of many, and I'll save that for next time. Um, And this particular song is um, it's it's just a perfect little song about love and about long term relationships, uh, a relationship and growing old together. Um, and it's it's just beautifully written, and I and I think that that is um, there's a lot of that there that hasn't made it to the surface. Um, so I leave you with one of my favorites from my country, part of my radio
0: career. <laughs> love you more, Lauren McLeish. Thank I you very much you for coming by. And Sean, you're not bad yourself. That's going to do oh, it Sean, for I Brian, I love you, oh, you love you too. Oh, I love you. Here's love Lauren's here. <laughs> pick. Brothers Osborne, as we wrap up the Brian Oak Show podcast.
5: miss you forever if i could if i could slow down your hands the time i would i know i say all good things must end if i can do it all over when i do Never felt the feeling, and I'll feel that way till the last sunset pulls down. You turned a stubborn Southern boy to a believer.